Welcome back to the Learning to Sit Still podcast. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. And if this is your first time joining me, welcome. I am so glad you could be here today. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you enjoyed this episode, would you share it with a friend? You can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram where I share short devotionals as well as videos to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. If you are looking for some good resources for deepening your faith, just visit sitstillmydaughter.com where you will find blog posts, free Bible reading plans, and other helpful information. Don't forget about the upcoming ladies conference that will take place on April 20th of next year. Details about the event as well as the registration link will be in the show notes for you. There's also a contact page on my website where you can submit questions or other prayer requests. I would love to pray for you and help in any way I can. Are you ready for the answer to the Bible trivia question I asked you last week? Who was eager to run and deliver a message? The answer is Ahimaaz and found in 2 Samuel 18 verses 19 through 23. Our question for next week is who said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. Who said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. And remember, I will have the answer for you on the next episode. Today, I am excited to welcome Rosa Myers to the podcast. I heard her share an amazing workshop on the topic of honoring the older and was so blessed by it that I asked her to share it here. Her goal is to help us understand how to be an encouragement to the elderly, both in our family and in our church family. She will discuss things like what does the Bible say about aging, what are the benefits of friendships with the elderly, and what are some biblical principles about interacting with the elderly. I am afraid that many of our young people today have lost respect for the older generation and see very little value in them, which is another reason why I asked Rosa to join me so... Without further delay, here is our conversation. Hi, Rosa. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for inviting me. So um, Rosa and I actually go to the same church, but if you are in our church, you know that it's actually a good size. So it's not it's not surprising that we've been in the church for four years and didn't really know each other very well because it's so big. If you, you can just I sing in the choir and sometimes I still can't find people when I'm sitting up there. So it's a very large church. Um, But Rosa and I went to a ladies retreat together and she presented one of the workshops, which was entitled um, Honoring the Older. And that caught my attention. So those of you who know me um, know that I live with my mom and I just was so intrigued by that statement of just honoring the older, how to handle older parents or just in general And uh, I signed up for that workshop. I really thought it would be very valuable because it is not something that we discuss on a regular basis. And Rosa did such a beautiful job presenting that. So um, let's just first start with you just sharing a little bit about yourself and then we'll move uh, slowly into the workshop. Um, Well, Sarah, I am married and I have been at the church for about 11 years. Um, I have five children. I, um, my parents were from Cuba and Colombia. So my mom was saved as a teenager in Cuba. She attended a Bible Institute there. My dad was a Spanish professor. 
and we spoke Spanish in our home. And I studied uh, math education in college, both a Spanish minor. And I've been a part-time Spanish teacher for the past nine years. Uh, before that, I homeschooled my kids for 10 years. And before that, I was a teacher. Uh, so I've been a teacher for a good while. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. That definitely makes sense with um, the way you presented everything. It was so perfectly um, just lined up and, and all the fill in the blanks. It was so easy to follow along. I can see that. I can see that. Um, so the, I just really want to give the majority of the time, we'll have some follow-up questions after the workshop, but I really just wanted my audience to hear your workshop. It was so rich and eye-opening for myself. And I'm really excited just to hear you present the, the workshop. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, my husband Lloyd and I have five adult children and we moved to Greenville 20 years ago. I'm an only child. And so when we moved here, my elderly parents moved with us. At that time, my father was 84 and my mother was 75. After a few months of living in an apartment, my father passed away and we began looking for a house. My mother asked if we could look for one where she could live in a separate area of the house. The Lord provided a house a half mile from um, Bob Jones where my children were going to school with an in-law apartment in the walkout basement. Her part of the house was complete with a kitchen, living area, bedroom, bathroom, and laundry room. But I was apprehensive of the arrangement. At the time, my children were 18 months, three, five, six, and 11 years old. While my mother was healthy and helpful at the time, I feared the years ahead. My mom was one of 15 siblings and her family members had either died young of heart disease or died old of dementia. She was already 75, so I thought it's gonna be dementia. Her parents and um, several of her siblings had died of that, so that, that kind of scared me. Uh, I also had mixed feelings about her living with me because I had been daddy's girl. My dad was a teacher and I had been a student. We had summers off together, spring break together, discussions about what I was learning at school. And for example, he helped me make a kite for a contest at school. Meanwhile, my mom was worked a factory job. By the time she got home, she was worn out and still had cleaning, cooking, and laundry to do. And as you can imagine, she was really stressed. She tended to be a warrior. And her love for me and my welfare was expressed by much worry. Because of that, she came across as controlling, not motivated by pride, but rather by fear and anxiousness. But when my dad died at age 30, at my age 38, it was really hard. I was in the middle of potty training, soccer games, piano practice, homeschooling, and the Lord knew I needed my mom. She helped me with house cleaning, laundry, and babysitting. She was also a prayer warrior, praying faithfully for me and my family. So God gave me 20 years to know the parent I didn't really know well. This past May, my mom reached her 95th birthday. And by God's grace, and until her last day, she was still very much with it when he took her home on July 1st. I firmly believe that God puts people in our lives that are exactly what we need to make us like Christ. 
I can tell you it may not always be a pleasant experience. Sanding and polishing can be painful at times, but everyone is there for a reason. You may have an elderly person in your life, a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, uncle, or a neighbor. You may have come to this session with that person in mind, or maybe you don't have any friends who are seniors. As Christians, we have the responsibility to minister to others who need encouragement. By the way, we all need encouragement. My goal today is to encourage you to be an encourager. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says, Comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, and be patient to all men. In the next few minutes, we'll consider a few different things. First, we'll consider some sobering statistics about the effects of isolation on seniors. Then we will go to the Bible to see a vivid description of aging, which will help us to put ourselves in their shoes. Next, we will look at two biblical examples of individuals who honored the older people in their lives and some general biblical commands and, and principles that apply to this topic. At the end, I will share some practical lessons I learned in the past 20 years as my mom lived with her family. First, let me share some statistics I found about the dangers of seniors being alone. Senior isolation affects nearly every aspect of their lives. On top of the effects on mood and mental health, isolation often leads to physical deterioration. In a study from the National Academy of Sciences, lonely and isolated seniors showed higher rates of poor physical and mental health. Additionally, individuals with limited social lives are more likely to suffer from hypertension, coronary artery disease, cardiac failure, depression, anxiety, Alzheimer's, and other forms of dementia. Social isolation and loneliness in older adults have also been associated with unhealthy behaviors like physical inactivity and smoking. It's important to understand the potential health risks for seniors who are susceptible to social isolation. A recent study by the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine concluded that social isolation significantly increased a person's risk of premature death from all causes. These risks may rival those of smoking, obesity, and physical inactivity, especially with older adults. In this study, loneliness and social isolation were associated with approximately a 50% increased risk of dementia, a 29% increased risk of heart disease, and a 32% increased risk of stroke. These are sobering statistics. And how does the Bible describe the aging process? Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, finishes the book of Ecclesiastes with a detailed portrait of old age. He says in Ecclesiastes 12, 1 through 7, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them, while the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, and the strong men shall bow themselves, the grinders shall cease, because they are few, and those that look out of the windows be darkened, and the doors shall be shut in the streets, when the sound of the grinding is low, and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird, and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. Also, when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fears shall be in the way, 
and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire shall fail, because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets, or ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. So if we break down some of the parts of Solomon's portrait, we see first that there's no pleasure in the years. Things will start to be not as much fun. There's also some sadness. There's gloom. It says the sun and the moon are dark. It talks about the keepers of the house. That's your hands. Your hands are the keepers of your house. And they start to be unsteady. They start to tremble. They start to not be as strong. It mentions the strong men bow themselves. That's your back. Your back is, is strong, but then over time, it starts to hunch over. It starts to bow over because of osteoporosis. The grinders cease. That's the teeth. The teeth are the grinders in your, in your mouth. They start to break. They start to fall out. The windows are dark. That's your eyesight. Your eyesight starts to fail, whether it's glaucoma, macular degeneration. The doors are shut. There's more staying at home. The sound of grinding is low. The music is slow. Hearing is starting to go. It says they're afraid of that which is high. There's a great fear of falling. That was one of my mom's biggest fears, that she would fall and break something, break a hip or something. Um, fear shall be in the way. The almond tree flourishes. The almond tree is a tree that, when it is in bloom, is bright um, white. So this is a picture of white hair um, happening. Um, and then they rise up at the song of a bird. That means sleeping is hard. Um, the grasshopper is a burden. The grasshoppers are tiny, but yet they're a burden. That means even things that are really simple become a burden, become hard to do. Desire shall fail. They start to long for home. And then man goes to his long home. Death is coming and mourners are in the streets, of course. And then it describes different ways that work ends. Things, the body stops working, whether it's the pitcher broken, the wheel broken. Those are all things that are stopped, are not functioning anymore. And then it says the spirit returns to God. The Bible clearly describes what old age feels like. Everything becomes difficult as bodies begin to wear out. But it's not all bad news. There is a purpose in old age. It's not just a time to wait for heaven. In Psalm 71, we see the testimony of one who has trusted God from his youth into old age. In Psalm 71, the psalmist is recalling his life. And he says, by thee have I been holding up from the womb. He says, thou hast taught me from my youth. So this is a testimony of someone who's looking back throughout his life and he sees that God has guided him God has taught him and but he has a purpose for the time now he says I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more the psalmist will pass on what he has learned from God to the next generation in Psalm 71 15 he says he's going to show forth God's righteousness in verse 17 he says he's going to declare his wondrous works in verse 18 he says he's going to show his strength to the next generation and show his power to everyone that is to come. And then he says he's going to talk of God's righteousness all the day. So he's going to praise God also. So 
the point of old age is to point other people to God, show other people how God has worked in your life. Once you've reached a certain age, you go back and you see God has answered prayer. God has worked things through. I can trust God. And then you can tell these other people who are young, who are coming to the same challenges and say, God can take care of this. God can help you through this. He helped me through this. So how is our response to the aged? Solomon tells us to remember our creator in the days of our youth. So while we're young, remember who God is, honor God with our life now. But then looking at those who are going through um, old age, we need to encourage them. Things are harder for them. And also, if we are at old age, we need to point people to Christ. So the Bible gives us examples of many examples of people who honored older people. But I want to focus on two. One is David honoring an older man. And the other one is Ruth honoring an older woman. The example of David is in 2 Samuel 19. In this situation, David has been running from his son Absalom. And there's an elderly man the Bible mentioned named Barzillai. He has helped David by providing food for him and for his men. Now, after Solomon's death, David is heading back to the palace. And he wants to thank Barzillai for his um, kindness. In verse 32, it says, Now Barzillai was a very aged man, even fourscore years old. And he had provided the king of sustenance while he lay at Mahanaim, for he was a very great man. And the king said unto Barzillai, Come thou over with me, and I will feed thee in Jerusalem. And Barzillai said, How long have I to live, that I should go up with the king unto Jerusalem? I am this day fourscore years old, and can I discern between good and evil? Can my servant taste what I eat or drink? Can I hear any more? the voice of singing men and singing women. Wherefore then should thy servant be a yet a burden unto my lord the king? Thy servant will go a little way over Jordan with the king, and why should the king recompense it with such a reward? Let thy servant, I pray thee, turn back again, that I may die in my own city and be buried by the grave of my father and of my mother. Behold thy servant Chimham, let him go over with my lord the king, and do to him what shall seem good unto thee. The king answered, Chimham shall go over with me, and I will do to him that which shall seem good unto thee, and whatsoever thou shalt require of me, that will I do. And all the people went over Jordan. So notice Barzillai's description. The Bible says he is very aged. He's 80 years old. He's very generous to David, and he's also very great. And we see David's desire. David would like to thank him by moving him to the palace. The palace is the best of the best, the best food, the best music, the best accommodations, the best furniture, you'll have the best servants, everything will be great at the palace. And Barzillai responds though, his life is short, his judgment is cloudy, he, his sense of taste is diminished, he wouldn't enjoy the palace food. His sense of hearing is diminished, it'll be hard for him to communicate. And he knows he would need help. He would need accommodation. And he, he just wants to go home. And he requests that someone else go in his place. And David's response is he kisses him. He shows him love. He blesses him. He shows him respect. And he lets him go. He honors him. He does not insist on his way. 
sometimes when we deal with an older person, we think we know what is best for them and we insist that they do what we want. But we need to give them their options and let them think about it and make their own decisions. They may take longer to decide things than we do. They don't think as quickly as we do. They are adults though, and they may ask your opinion and you can give it. But I have found that sometimes they have additional reasons behind the reasons they give you. you they might give you a simple answer, but they probably have several reasons and they don't wanna go into all of those. So it's, it's best to just kind of let them decide. And I've noticed like with my mom, I would just give her time to think about it. And then sometimes she would come back and, and say, yeah, you're right, we should do that. Or sometimes she really didn't want to and I just had to honor that. The second example is Ruth and Naomi. And um, Ruth is a favorite book of mine. It takes place during the time of the judges, which was a horrible time in Israel. Um, Naomi is the older person in this story and Naomi means pleasant. She and her family moved to Moab to get away from the famine in Israel. While she's there, her sons grow up and marry Moabite women. Ironically, as they fled death in Israel, they found it in Moab. Naomi's husband dies and, do, and both of her sons do. So she and her daughters-in-law are now widows and she decides to go back to Israel. One daughter-in-law decides to stay in Moab, but the other one, Ruth, decides to follow Naomi. Although she is a Moabite, she claims Jehovah as her God. Ruth means compassionate friend. In Ruth 1.13, we see Naomi's testimony. She says, the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. We also see in verse 20, she says, she said unto them, call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me? The Almighty hath afflicted me. So Naomi is dealing with a lot here. Does she feel guilt for leaving Bethlehem and for letting her sons marry Moabite girls? Maybe. But whatever the case, Naomi is hurting. Naomi is also bitter against God. She is no longer pleasant. She wants to be known as bitter. Naomi is probably hard to live with. Negative, hurting people sometimes hurt people. This is one reason that it can be difficult to minister to the elderly. They have a lot of history because they've lived a long time. They have been hurt. Anyone who's lived on this earth any length of time has been hurt. They may have lost their ability to do things. They may have lost loved ones. They may have limited income. Sometimes they don't really want advice because they have seen much more of life than you have. So Ruth is our example here and what were her circumstances? Well, she also lost her husband. She's living in a different culture and her roommate is a very bitter old woman, but yet Ruth is willing to work with the circumstances and Ruth's response to an older woman who's dealing with loss and guilt and bitterness is love. Verse 16 says, and Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. 
whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. So Ruth is committed to Naomi and to her God. She expresses love for Naomi. She expresses love for God. And Ruth was not only willing to express love in words, but also in action. Octavius Winslow, a Baptist preacher of the 1800s and a contemporary of Spurgeon, said the following. There is poetry and there is beauty in real sympathy, but there is more. There is action. The noblest and most powerful form of sympathy is not merely the responsive tear, the echoed sigh, the answering look. It is the embodiment of the sentiment in actual help. After Ruth goes to work in the fields for Boaz, a Boaz for a couple of harvest seasons, Naomi sees an opportunity in chapter three. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law said unto her, my daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he went in with barley tonight in the threshing floor. For wash thyself therefore, anoint thee, put thy raiment upon thee, get thee down to the floor, but make not thyself known unto the man until he shall have done eating and drinking. And it shall be when he lieth down, that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet, and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me I will do. Ruth is willing to follow Naomi's instruction. Even when it's awkward, it is literally a foreign concept. But she trusts and obeys, and God rewards her willingness to trust him and honor and love Naomi. He gives her a husband and a baby, and he places her in the royal line of Messiah. Loving Naomi was not easy, but it was the right response. It's easy to love a happy person, but it's harder to love a bitter, angry person. It's, it is the right thing. Ruth could have been bitter too. She also was a widow and she was displaced, but she chose to love Naomi and trust God. He blessed her. When someone is really hurting, they need love. They need support and ask God to work in their lives. So let's look at some biblical commands that apply here. So, the first, obviously, the first biblical command is honor thy father and thy mother in that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Exodus twenty twelve. This applies to the elders in our family. God commands us to honor the older members and he promises us long life in return. But another command that applies not just to the family, applies to everyone is in Matthew twenty two thirty nine. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Love those who are young. Love those who are old. Love those who are lovable and those who are unlovable. And a biblical principle that we need to recall, remember is in Psalm 90. And that is that you will also be old one day. Psalm 90 teaches us that God is eternal and we are short-lived by contrast. It says in verse 1, Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath, 
We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of sorrow they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Verse 12, so teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Let the beauty of the Lord be upon us, and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. So our days are short. They're very short. Only God is eternal. So even if we live 70 years, that's not very long. And our work is only beautiful and is only established as it brings glory to God. Otherwise, it is vain. So your days are numbered. Make them count for God. The fourth principle is remember the law of sowing and reaping. Galatians 6, 7 through 10. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. You will be old one day. You will need help one day. Your body and mind will start to age. And as you treat those older now, you will be treated one day. Now, honoring the elder members of our family is commanded by God, but it also has been proven to be beneficial to the health of seniors. Here are some benefits that have been found. So seniors who, the first one is longer life. Elders who are more socially involved with family members are more likely to live longer than those who remain isolated. This is even true for those who are experiencing late stages of dementia. Although you may not be able to tell, a family's presence is prolonging their life as well as improving the quality of their remaining years. The second thing is a stronger immune system. Social seniors often have stronger immune systems. This is especially important for their age group because older immune systems are typically weaker than younger ones. When the pandemic hit, everyone told my 93-year-old mom that she needed to stay home from the grocery store. She did for about one week. She liked picking out her own food. I decided she's 93, she can decide what she wants to do. Also, there's improved mental health. Seniors who are close to their families has, have also been reported to have better mental health than those who are not. Interacting with their family and being reminded that they are cared about reduces feelings of depression. And the fourth one is brain health. Older people who are more socially engaged typically have a higher level of cognitive function. Those who reported being happy and engaged in social activities were more likely to have an increase in their memory and thinking skills. Those who indicated the opposite experienced a decline in their cognitive skills. I think I kept my mother's brain very active in that every day she would be taking inventory of the cars and she knew who was gone by which cars were gone and she knew what day it was. Oh, it must be Wednesday. It's your day your husband goes into work. Oh, so she knew and she, what was going on. And I think that that kept her engaged on what time it was, what day it was, and what she needed to do, what people were doing. Spending time across generations is also helpful for children. Um, as I prepared for this, I read an article about a daycare center for both old and young. And in that daycare center, it benefited the children 
to have adults sitting there that want just wanted to read with them, play with them, that weren't, you know, um, busy with their job. And it also benefited the seniors to have the children around it, it cheered them up. Um, the first benefit for children is that they start to understand that all ages are special and that we're all created in God's image. Um, seeing someone who is older might be put them off to begin with, but they realize, oh, this is a person. They have a sense of humor. They have a story. They have value. Also, it cultivates honor and respect for the elderly. As they get to know older people and share their lives, it enriches children. And it also improves their comfort and confidence in their interaction with adults. The more adults your children interact with now, the more they'll be able to handle the transition to adulthood later. Also, it gives them a better perspective. Sometimes things that seem so big to a young person are put in perspective by experiences that older people have had. And that kind of goes back to Psalm 71. Uh, an older person can tell a child about answers to prayer and about how God works through things and something that may seem really huge compared to maybe, maybe something that they went through maybe isn't, isn't so huge anymore. And uh, spending time with adults who are not in a hurry is a big thing. Older people have time to share hobbies, books, fishing, woodworking, whatever hobby an older person can do with a younger person um, are things that maybe parents don't have time to do. So um, I'll end with another quote by Octavius Winslow. And this was shared with me by a good friend who cared for both of her parents until their 90s. It is from The Fullness of Christ, a book about the life of Joseph. He quotes from Genesis 45, 10 through 12, in which Joseph is speaking to his father Isaac as the family is moving to Egypt. In this quote, the word filial is used. It means related to son or daughter. Listen as he reads from Genesis 45, 10 through 12, in which Joseph is speaker to his father Isaac as the family is moving to Egypt. And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, and thy children's children, and thy flocks, and thy herds, and all that thou hast, and there will I nourish thee. Winslow says, such were the words of Joseph addressed to his aged father. What a beautiful and touching picture of filial affection and piety. Here was the least of his father's house, raised up by God to be the savior of his brethren and that father's benefactor in his old age. Let us who have parents, aged parents, learn a lesson here. Be very tender and gentle toward them. Reverence their gray hairs. It will be but a little while that the privilege and honor will be given of comforting and soothing their trembling descent to the tomb. Let your filial piety and love deepen and intensify as their son declines. Be as patient and gentle towards the infirmities of their age as they were to the frivolities of your youth. Rock gently the cradle of their decrepitude and give them the best it is in your power to bestow. And God will bless you for it when they are gathered to their fathers. Who can tell but that God has spared your life and raised you up for this special office and mission of filial piety and love. Everyone at every age needs a friend. Everyone needs someone to pray for them, check on them, and spend time with them. 
while it's easier to spend time with people your own age, it's God's will for us to make friendships across generations. In God's plan, older people will benefit as they pass on the lessons they have learned. They see the hardships they have experienced have purpose. Younger people benefit from their wisdom. The body of Christ is strengthened as we seek to learn from one another. I hope you will make a new old friend this week. Thank you so much, Rosa. I, I love that. It was, it was as good the second time as it was the first. It was so rich. And you can tell there is so much thought put into this. It wasn't just thrown together. And I know that, you know, you said your mom lived with you for 20 years. This is something that you've, you've walked. This is the path you've gone down. And I think, you know, my mind goes to multiple places. I think of the Native American culture. They were very much honoring the elderly, the Native Americans, you know, they valued the, the older people because they understood, like you said, they have this history, they've lived. Um, and I think as young people, we can become very cocky that we have all the answers and that we're going to stay young forever. And uh, it's a very foolish behavior. It's not long-term. You know, you need to remember that if God does grant you long life, you know, you will age at some point. These things will happen. And I remember there's a an old older television show that my mom and I used to watch. And um, I loved one of the quotes that this older lady gave to this young man that was kind of, uh, he was a little testy and didn't really want to be bothered with her. But she said, you know, she says, I have something that you don't the fact is I've lived and it was such a, a sharp, it was, it was kindly said, but it was a sharp reminder to him saying, look, I've been around the block more than you have. And so we don't value that. We, we so rarely value the wealth of wisdom they possess. Sometimes that wisdom is, is coming from the mistakes they've made and they just really want to help. They, they've been down there and they can see where you're going and they just want to help. And I think we have, um, lost a lot of respect for the elderly. I think they often tend to be the butt of jokes um, or we're just careless about them and just toss them to the side, which is one of the reasons I really loved your presentation. I loved, it was something I never thought about. I love how Solomon does paint a picture of the elderly and uh, kind of just some gentle reminders like the keepers of the, 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 the door and just, you know, the eyes, all these things that I hadn't really um, thought about. It was a beautiful picture of that, but I want to kind of unpack a little bit more. So, um, you know, because inviting, especially inviting your, your parents to live with you comes with challenges, you know, yes, it is an opportunity to honor them and to care for them, but it is still there. There is, like we've talked about, there's conflict and, you know, it is, you've established your own home and yet you've grown up in this home and now you're trying to merge them together. And I know that you've, you've walked that line. Um, so, so I guess one of my questions would be, what do you say to those who may even struggle with the idea of, of inviting their parents to live with them? Um, this is a question that I didn't cover in the workshop, but it's a good question. Um, and, it, and it's while it's helpful for seniors to live with family, um, each person has to establish that on their own. You ultimately need to surrender to what God would have you do. 
Um, most things that are new are overwhelming to think about, like having a baby when you have no children is a huge overwhelming idea. Getting married when you're not married is a huge thing. Um, this is one of those huge things. Um, but if God wants you to do it, he'll show you how to do it. He'll walk you through it. Um, I did read a good article about it in WebMD um, that I thought I considered um, including, but I didn't know time's sake if I had time to include in the workshop. But some of the things that to think about, practical things, um, they said for, to kind of, first of all, figure out the medical situation that your loved one is in. Um, think about the physical condition, the mental condition, what kind of illnesses. Do they need supervision or any assistance? Um, are they, how independent are they? And so on. So they said, they said that if your loved one is still able to live without assistance, that might be a good time for them to move in with you because they get a feel for it and they have more say about this. Um, and, but then also know that when they do move in with you, things will change as the time goes on. My mom was in really good health when she moved in with us. Um, also think about what you're able to do as um, it says, you know, of course this is written from the perspective, not considering what God wants, but it says, um, think about your job, your social life, your family and stuff like that. It, there will be some stress. Um, also about your limits you know what kinds of things are you willing to do eventually you know if you have to help them bathe or if you have to help them um, do medical things um, also think about the relationship you have with the with him with this person that you're thinking about every family has issues um, so you may have to resolve old conflicts um, you may have to you, you they really it's important to include your parent in this conversation not just talk about it amongst yourselves and then make the decision for them like really include them so that they have opinions they have observations they may have things um also think about what kind of home do you have the best do you have it's it's probably best to not have very many stairs in your home um like you might need a stair lift, um, bathroom, is it accessible? Um, will they have their own bedroom? And how will that affect the space in your home? Uh, also finances are something to consider. Um, sometimes I, I have seen families where the older parents say, sell their house and help the young family buy a house that accommodates everyone. Um, so you need to think about resources. If you're an only child, in my case, I didn't have to consult siblings, but you would have to consult siblings if, if you're one of several children. Um, they said to figure out whether you or your family members can get paid for taking care of them. Um, sometimes I've heard there's ways to get, you know, the state involved to help pay for um, care. I didn't really want to get involved with that because I didn't really want the state in my house checking out things. <laughs> I just wanted to do what's right for, for God's glory and not for their pay. Um, so those are all things to consider. And just like 
with any decision, you have to think about all of it. And then you have to consult with your, your family, your husband, your wife, whatever. Um, so you have to look just like in any major decision, think about all of it, but especially pray that God would show you what his will is. And if his, if it is his will, he'll help you accomplish it. And if it's not his will, then that's something too. So we can't just not do something because it's scary. Um, so it might, it, if, if God directs you to do that, there probably is some sacrifice involved for sure. But. And I, I like, I like that um, analogy, you know, because we think, well, you know, it's, it's, a, it's overwhelming, but there are multiple things that are overwhelming in life. Like, you know, if you're single, and you get married, that's a big adjustment. You know, I mean, that's, that's huge. I mean, for a lot of people, if they're, say, if they're married at 30 and they've been independent, they're, you know, they've been out of the house. That's a huge thing to all of a sudden answer, especially if you're a, a, a woman getting married, you have to change everything about you to accommodate your husband. You know, you're trying to be respectful and loving and, and uh, submissive to him. So that's true. You know, just because it is difficult doesn't mean that we shouldn't attempt it. Um, so, so I guess my mind kind of goes to how, how do you, I guess it's a twofold question. How do you handle the merging of two households? You know, you do have two things coming together. How do you, as a, a child, especially if you're, if you're the wife and you're bringing in, say it, it's your father that you're bringing in, how do you handle that respect of parental authority while still trying to submit to your husband? How do you, cause there, you know, as much as we'd like to walk with the Lord, we are still human and there may be conflicts that arise. So what, what would you say to someone who maybe struggles with, well, what happens if conflict happens? Conflict will happen. Um, <laughs> issues will come up, um, whether it's finances, whether it's child rearing. Um, I had three, I had five little children and I had my mom. And so things like how did I discipline my children or did discipline my children, um, meals. Um, so all parties involved need to see their respective roles. Um, my husband was very understanding and willing to honor my mom in this way. I would not have done it if he weren't on board with it. Um, my mom was also understanding that we were a family and that my husband was the head of my home. Um, um, one thing that I realized was that if I complained about my mother, that it would affect my husband's relationship with her because in his, you know, wanting to protect me, he would probably take things harder than I would about something she said or whatever. So I kind of stopped complaining and I realized, you know, that's really biblical anyway, to not be a complainer. Um, so also finances is something, um, from the beginning, my mom wanted to contribute financially and my husband told her she didn't have to, but every month she wrote us a check for $200. It wasn't much, but it helped with utilities it helped with, I helped her with transportation. I, I would take her to the doctor, to the grocery store. And I did other practical things to help her, which of course those increased over time. But um, she, she wanted, she realized that she was in our home and she wanted to, um, 
be part of the family and not be a burden. Um, something else she did was she kept a clean apartment. And in the early years, she would come upstairs and help me clean. And at first, I didn't like it so much because it seemed she was implying that my housekeeping was inadequate. Um, of course, I had five kids, so of course my house wasn't as clean as hers ever. But I realized that she wanted to help and wanted to keep busy, and she wanted to pitch in. She would cook food sometimes and would call up and ask if we wanted some. And I would send down things that she liked. On holidays, we would work together. She would make the turkey, and I would make everything else, for example. And um, one summer, this is another conflict -ish, uh, situation. One summer, she was really slowing down and seemed to fall asleep anytime she sat down. And so she burned a couple of pots that way. And we debated about whether or not to let her cook anymore. But so we installed some more smoke detectors. And since I was home most of the time, my husband was home sometimes, we just became more vigilant. And um, we let her cook. And um, two weeks before she died, I had an unexpected errand to another city. And when I came back, she had a huge pot of chicken noodle soup made for us because I wouldn't have time to cook. So, um, yeah, there, 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 I'm not saying there were never any conflicts. There were, um, but like anything, like in any situation, you have to understand your roles and try to handle things biblically. Mm -hmm. And I, I do think as, as you do walk in the spirit and you take that time to uh just you know be in the word of god you will handle conflict better and um i i know that it's sometimes if things get heated it is best to step away for a moment you know for both of you to just kind of calm down and maybe come back um at a different time um but what so so kind of shifting a little bit what would you say to maybe those who desire to have their parents with them but maybe they're concerned well, I don't have a downstairs apartment. I, you know, maybe it's just a, a one level of ranch style, but they still would like to care for them or there, there is a real a need for that. How would you handle like creating boundaries and kind of separating this? How would you handle? Because the living spaces will cross over obviously more. Mm -hmm. um, well, at a minimum, it's good for them to have some privacy, whether that's their own bedroom their own bathroom, just some little space of their own. Um, my mom, she she never used a cell phone, so she had her own landline, so she would call her friends and she kind of had her own phone. Um, all, we as a family had never really done much with TV, but she she was a Braves fan and so she bought, she paid for cable and so she had her own TV. So I would think, you know, if they, if you can at least give them a bedroom where they have their own chair and their own TV and their own phone and um, so just their own little space where they can kind of get away from it all. And um, that's, that's, that's great. It, it was, it was really a blessing that this house was already done. Um, because we looked at a lot of houses for a lot of time and um, it was going to 
be, you know, a lot of work and whatever to create what we, what we found. And the Lord just had it prepared at exactly the time we needed it. Hmm. And I have seen, and I think there is more, um, of a trend that I see in several houses that are being built today that they have an in-law suite mm-hmm. kind of attached. So it is in more of a forefront, which I'm, I'm really thankful to see um, that shift a little bit, but um, so kind of stepping back just a little bit to, to, you mentioned there are benefits to the kids, but how did you handle you know, did your kids embrace the fact that, you know, grandma was living downstairs and they thought it was uh, the, the next best thing? Did it cause issues for you that maybe did your mom tend, did, did she try to maybe say things like, hey, you know, maybe you should discipline your children differently? Or did they, did she tell them to take their side? You know, because sometimes that can be a concern for a mom too. Um, So were there issues? Well, okay. Some of them were so young that that's all they knew. Grandma had always lived with them. Um, the oldest one was 11. So um, it's funny to this day, she's the, probably the least close to grandma because she, the time she spent with grandma, you know, was when grandma didn't live with us when she was younger and um the time she did spend with grandma i would like work on those days and and she'd go to grandma's and so those were days that she couldn't be with me so she kind of resented being with grandma so she and grandma were never close but the others the younger ones homeschooled and so grandma was always there and i would um if i would go on errands they were there with grandma and so going to grandma's to them, that was their opportunity to watch a TV show. <laughs> that was their opportunity. She would make macaroni for them, which they liked, or she would, um, we had a laundry chute and she would say, throw your clothes down. And they would throw the clothes down the laundry chute and she would do laundry. So they they have good memories of grandma. Um, they're, they're not all good memories. I mean, there's also, I guess, um, you know, over time she got hard of hearing. Um, and also there was somewhat of a language barrier because my mom was, um, like I said, Cuban. She spoke English as her second language, but over time she got harder of hearing. And um, so my kids learned to speak to her face to face and loud enough so she could hear them. Um, so as far as discipline goes, it's, it's funny when they were babies, when they were little, I think my, my mom thought we were disciplining them too strongly or whatever, but I think she began to appreciate the fact that the kids were so helpful and, and whatever. So I think, I think over time, things, things got much over time, things got better. Right, right. And I can, I can see that. I can see that. So, so here's, um, I know I wanted to weave this back in because it was in your handout and I thought it was such practical, you know, just practical that you put in there. Um, you had some tips in relating to those who are older and there was like a list of 20 things that I just, I loved them and they were all so good. So would you mind just maybe sharing that or? Yeah. 
Um, these are just things that as, as I, you know, as my mom was, I didn't know she was at the end of the line, but I knew she was, she, you know, she was 95 and I was just stepping back and looking at, I thought, okay, these are some things that, that the Lord taught me from spent from the 20 years. Um, first of all is to make time for them. Um, don't be in a hurry. Don't be in a hurry. Um, over time, older minds take time to make decisions. Older bodies take time to move. So if I knew that if I was going anywhere with, with her, I could not be in a hurry. I had to plan ahead so that we had enough time to get in the car, to get out of the car, to do whatever. There were times that she, well, especially before her pacemaker was put in, because she would just fall asleep in the car. And here we are ready to leave and go back inside. And I'm like trying to wake her up. So you need to make time. Also, um, listen to them. Listen to their stories, their complaints, their opinions, their likes, their dislikes. Like put the phone down and just listen. Just um, they, they, they will appreciate that. Also, don't argue with them about things that don't matter. I, I argued with my mom a lot and I wish I hadn't. Um, sometimes it doesn't matter if something happened on Tuesday or if it happened on Wednesday. It really doesn't. Uh, sometimes there are specifics that do matter, like in medical situations, but generally speaking, there's no point in arguing or correcting them if they don't get the details right. Um, humor is very helpful. While a situation may be serious, not taking yourself or every situation super seriously will make you and them feel more at ease. Um, about 10 years ago, when my mom was feeling very down. She said, you won't have to take care of me much longer. And I said, uh, are you getting married? <laughs> um, also, let them make as many decisions as possible. Um, sometimes it's, it's, we think it's easy to just, okay, I'm just going to make this decision. But there are many things in their life that are out of their control, like what, what they can hear, what they can eat, what's hurting. So give them liberty to make decisions they can, like whether they want to go somewhere, what they want to wear, what they want to buy. Just let them make those decisions. Um, if you're related to them, offer to go to the doctor with them because a second person going can remember what to ask the doctor, can remember what the doctor said, can remember why the procedure is needed. If you're there and you're taking notes, then the next time you go to the doctor, you can refer back to that. And also, because when a lot of medical things are happening, it's hard to keep track of it all, even when you're in good health. So when, when you're in poorer health or when your hearing is going or your memory is going, it's just really hard to keep it all organized. Um, also, stay calm. If a medical situation comes up, <clears throat> don't be over anxious because they'll, they'll follow your lead. So think about options and think of know who to call. Also keep simple medical equipment around, such as a pulse oximeter. I, I didn't really know that this was something you could you could have, but but it's just a tiny thing that you stick on your finger and that way you know if you're if you're breathing enough, if you're getting enough oxygen. Um, also a blood pressure cuff. They have automatic ones. You just just put it around and push a button and it'll give you the amount. Uh, a thermometer, those are just simple, really simple things that you can have. And therefore, 
if you do have to call a doctor or talk to a nurse, you can at least give them some baseline um, things. Also pray for their requests, their health, their finances, pray with them and pray away from them. Um, and then share your burdens with them, share your struggles, tell them about your life and circumstances. They may have advice for similar experiences. Um, call them just to see how they're doing. They may be reluctant to disturb you. They may think you're too busy. They don't want to be a burden. So if you're calling them, it gives them freedom to tell you what might be wrong. Ask them if they need anything. Um, remember, things that are easy for you are, may not be easy for them, like opening a jar, reading a label, calling a business, looking up a number, uh, getting something down from a shelf. There were a couple of sisters that I knew that were living together, and neither one of them could read the label on a soup can or a vegetable can. They just had a pantry full of food, and they would just kind of randomly pick one up and open it because... They didn't know. They couldn't read what was on it. So, you know, in that situation, if somebody had maybe made some bigger labels for them or, or something, that would have been helpful. Um, offer transportation. Sometimes driving is a scary prospect if their eyes, ears, or reflexes are failing. Um, celebrate their birthdays. Every year is a blessing. Value their experience. They have raised children. They have seen what works. They have seen what doesn't work. They have um, had jobs. They've had lots of experience. Um, remember, you will be old one day, too, and you will reap what you sow. Also, honor them. As I said before, if you complain about them, which is sin, others will have a poor opinion of them. Um, and while cards and calls are nice, visits are better. Um, and visits can be short. Um, you can include your children and you will notice more about their needs in person than you will just calling them. Um, a friend of mine, her parents never lived with her, but she would, when COVID came and she was able to work from home, she started to work at her parents' house and she started noticing more things about what they needed than just the average going to visit them every once a week. She started realizing how, how to better take care of them. Um, don't, number 19, don't take over their life. Let them do as much for themselves as possible. Everyone needs a reason to get up in the morning. So if I were to tell my mom, no, you can't clean anymore. You're, you know, I'll clean for you. Well, then what is she going to do when she gets up in the morning? You know, so she had something she was planning to do every day. One day she cleaned bathrooms. One day she um, cleaned the kitchen. One day she, you know, she had a plan for what she was doing. And then um, the last thing, be truthful with them. Um, it is the bedrock of trust. Um, I have a, a story I didn't tell in the workshop, but um, when my daughter was 10 months old, she fell off the bed. Um, off my bed I just set her down and I went to reach for the phone and she fell and she broke a collarbone and um, I, mean, I took her to the ER they told me what it was they told me how to take care of her and all that well six months later same child put her on the same bed and she didn't want to get dressed after her bath she scooted away from me to the other end of the bed and she fell 
and broke the other collarbone. Six months later, well, I did not want to tell my mother that she had broken a collarbone again, because I, I just was expecting her to say the worst, you know, like what in the world, six months, you know. So I didn't tell my mother that she had a broken collarbone and there's nothing you can do for a broken collarbone except you don't pick up the child on the side where it's broken. You just pick them up on the good side and underneath and then just wait six weeks and it'll heal. I hadn't told my mom about it and it was, we were at her house and my, my daughter was crawling toward grandma and grandma picks her up like you would pick up a normally pick up a baby and the baby just screamed in pain. And I called her the next day and I said, mom, I said, I should have told you she had a broken collarbone. And, and my, because my mom was freaked out. Like, why did she scream like that when she was picking her up? So if I had been honest with my mom to begin with, um, that wouldn't have happened. So it's, it's really important to just, just be honest. And I, I love there. These are just practical tips that, that, you know, can apply whether they're living with you or whether they're, you know, you know, they're just still in your life and you're caring for them outside of the home or you're visiting. And I think these were just good practical tips. I mean, many of these are, um, you know, trust can be applied to any age. Um, I think it's great to introduce these principles when um, your children are young. And I think it transfers over outside of your family, especially if you're teaching your kids when they're young, they're going to apply that honoring principle and these, these um, helpful tools and, and tips to everyone, especially like if you're in churches and places. And when you have children that have learned these principles and apply them and value them, they stand out in the world. And I think that gives you an opportunity to share, to be a witness um, for Christ, because our society is so anti old people and you just see that so much. So, so really in many ways, learning to respect the elderly is, is a tool we can use to share the gospel. Well, why do you, why do you treat them like that? Why do you care? Well, because Jesus loves me. He died for me. He values me. He, he teach, he's, he's told me to all life is valuable. All we're all made in his image and we're all to be valued to the, to the, from the first breath to the day they draw their last breath. And I think it's just a, a wonderful opportunity for us to really shine, to be different, to stand out from the world. And part of, well, really one of the, the biggest ways that we do that is how we treat others, whether they're whatever age. Um, but I know, so this was probably one of the, the highlights for me um, was just, you had a list of um, gifts to give to the older people. I, it would never have crossed my mind to even think about these things. You just, cause we do tend to give what we like, or, oh, I think they'll like it, or isn't this a great deal? Maybe they would enjoy this. Cause you had, I think eight things that were so practical. I I've used them already. I'm like, you know, this is great. So I, I just want, I definitely wanted you to share that list. Cause I think it was so helpful. Yeah. So I said at the end of my workshop, I said, so you decide you'd like to befriend a senior citizen, like a shut-in or in our church. What do you do? Because it is kind of awkward. People are like, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, um, well, you call them up on the phone, <laughs> which tell them you're from church or you're the neighbor, whatever. Ask if you can visit them. Spend half an hour or an hour with them. Ask about their family, their history, their testimony. 
and then bring them something. Well, what can you bring? Um, first, I said a vase of flowers, not something they have to water or prune or weed, just, just something pretty. Um, the last gift that my mom received was a vase of flowers. There was a pastor that she had for quite a while, and anytime he would visit her or he and his wife would visit her, they would bring flowers. And her last week um, of life, I didn't know it was her last week of life, but we were in the hospital for a week, and it was um, after several days. She said, does, does Manuel know I'm in here? I said, I don't know. I don't think so. She said, you should tell him I'm in here. He always brings me flowers. No one's brought us flowers. And so I texted Manuel's wife and I said, my mom's in the hospital. I was about 10 in the morning and around noon, Manuel shows up with a vase of flowers. And then she went in for surgery around two. And she said, he brought me flowers. I knew he would, you know, and um, she had her surgery and she never lived after that. that, mm -hmm. that she, she died um, as a result of that surgery. So that, that was a blessing. That was like a final blessing that God gave her was for a friend to come and see her and bring her the flowers. Um, so the second thing uh, I would say is something home-baked like cookies or a loaf of bread. Um, also, and it doesn't need to be anything big. You know, if, if they're living alone, they don't need three dozen cookies. You know, just a dozen cookies is fine. Um, a small basket of fruit or snacks like granola bars. Um, a pack of note cards and stamps. I say note cards because that generation, they still write. They write letters, they write notes, they write thank you notes. They, they like to write notes. Um, they may not text or email. My mom never did any of those things. And then stamps, which are expensive, is nice is a nice gift if you have some stamps. They still pay bills with um, paper and, and envelopes, so stamps come in handy. Um, gift cards for eating out. Um, this gives them a social outlet. It gives them an opportunity to relax. Um, the, an older generation, eating out is kind of a, a luxury. It's kind of a, a special thing. It's not like an everyday thing. And um, so if, if, if somebody gives them a gift card, you know, for somewhere, they, they, they look forward to that and they can go out with a friend. My mom's favorite, um, gift card was to Starbucks. That's where she would relax. She would have a nice coffee and she'd sit. And I never saw her as relaxed as, as she was there. Um, I would suggest something small and consumable like tea or soap, lotion, jam, honey, something that can be used. Uh, that's not opposite um, to something large that will gather dust. They don't need another knickknack. They don't need anything big. They usually, if they live alone, they, they probably already have um, limited space and they don't need something that'll just, even though, even though it's cute or whatever, what are they going to do with it? Um, in something simple and old fashioned, not high tech or complicated, they may not know what to do with a tablet or a Fitbit, for example. Now there are exceptions to that, but, but just something that's very simple and easy to um, to use. And I think I was just contemplating a few others. Um, sometimes even a subscription to certain things, like uh, for some, they may enjoy a certain uh, streaming, because I know a lot of them do enjoy watching TV, and there are streaming services that would be 
um, nice if you paid for like some of you can pay from for a year. And I think those would be really nice gifts too. And if some, some still have great vision and there are magazine subscriptions because they do like the paper, they don't really like digital, like you said, and if you could buy them a, a magazine subscription that they really enjoy So those are kind of, I, I guess that's why I liked your, your list. It was practical and outside the box because like I said, we just tend to give gifts without thinking, but these were thoughtful gifts that, you know, even the gift cards and things, we're considering that they might have a limited budget. And sometimes giving them a gift card enables them to participate in an event, like maybe going out with a group that they may have been stressing about saying, well, I don't really have a, a lot of money. But if you provide some of these things that enables them to, to enjoy certain activities that they might not have been able to um, before. So I think that was one of the reasons I, I just loved these these tips but um i just i want to thank you rosa i i was just delighted to have you on there um it was interesting that i had i was looking for some more i was trying to think who else can i interview i always like to find the unique things to show on the podcast and um and i came to your um workshop there were four different ones to choose from they were all wonderful uh to choose they really were there were so many good ones and i had a hard time but i kept like the Lord kept bringing me back to yours. Like you really should go to Rosa's. I'm like, well, what, what about so-and-so's that looks like a really interesting topic too. It's like, no, you really need Rosa's. And I remember coming in there and halfway through, I was just like, she really should be on the podcast. And the Lord's like, I know that's why I want you to go to Rosa's. <laughs> Thank you. So I really appreciate you just coming on here and sharing your heart. I think it really will be a blessing to many. I hope that those who are listening really take this to heart. Our older people are our most, should be one of our most treasured possessions because they carry so much wisdom with them, experience and things that they've learned that we haven't even compre could comprehend or thought of. Some of them have gone through a season of life that we may never even go through. And they have such wisdom that the Lord's taught them through these seasons and we should cherish them and value them and love them and, you know, seek them out. You know, I, I have several older friends that, and when I say older, I mean, I'm talking people in their seventies. They're some of my favorite people to hang out with. I just love going to their house and sharing a little meal and just listening to them and, you know, sharing something that I have, that I have a concern because I glean from their wisdom. They, they share things. They help me through these problems. They, they know the scriptures better than I do. And I just, I really want to, I would love to see younger people seeking out older people and just sitting down with them, listening to them because it is a biblical principle. The Bible constantly says, learn from the older you know, let, let the older women teach the younger, let the older men, you know, they, they have something to pass on. Yes. They're the Bible says, let no man despise thy youth, but that, that doesn't mean that you never listen to the old people. They, they have such wisdom. And I think, I think if you don't take advantage of them, you're really doing yourself an injustice by not taking advantage of, of their, their wonderful, wonderful friendship. And to like, kind of like what Rosa says, they're still old school. They know the art of a conversation. They they can give you, they can, they, they love letters. They love these things that, that we've lost touch with. We we don't, uh, we're so techie and just kind of, I like stepping back with the older people. It's like taking time and really being heard and just, it's just such always a blessing um, to do that. And I think um, you will, it helps your maturity level. 
for sure. When you're with some older people, they have their, their, um, their wisdom hopefully will rub, rub off on you a little bit. So I, I just want to thank you, Rosa, for taking time and for just being willing to share this, to step out of your, um, your zone. I, I don't know if it was um, awkward for you to be asked to share this workshop, even at the retreat, but I'm so glad that you said yes and just were willing to share what the Lord has, has taught you. So I really appreciate you so much. Thank you. I appreciate you inviting me to, to come and share it again. I'm glad that other people hopefully will get to hear what, what God is, has done. I mean, the Lord just in the past six months, he would just kept showing me kind of, I didn't know that this was her last year, did not know that, but um, the, I think the Lord was impressing me that I really needed to value and, and just, just sum up things that I have learned and, and just the Lord is so good and he uses people, even people that are um, well, all of us are difficult to live with, but when he puts us in under the same roof, um, there's more things that the Lord can teach us from each other. Amen. Amen. So, um, but again, thank you for sharing your heart, sharing your story and sharing your wisdom with me. I really, really, um, I, I enjoyed every moment of it. Well, thank you. Praise the Lord. Wasn't that a blessing? There were so many wonderful points made as well as some interesting statistics. I really appreciate the practical tips Rosa shared with us, such as the way we can relate to them and the types of gifts we can give them. I hope that you were blessed by this episode. And if you were, would you share it with a friend? Our young people need to remember how precious the older generation is and how much they have to give them. I would love to see our churches filled with friendships between the older and younger, and I know that it would make a difference. I want to end today's episode by quoting or requoting the final part of Octavius Winslow's The Fullness of Christ, referenced by Rosa. Let your filial piety and love deepen and intensify as their sun declines. Be as patient and gentle toward the infirmities of their age as they were, toward the frivolities of your youth. Rock gently the cradle of their decrepitude and give them the best it is in your power to bestow. And God will bless you for it when they are gathered to their fathers. Who can tell but that God has spared your life and raised you up for this special office and mission of filial piety and love. I pray that each of us are women who seek to have this type of attitude toward those who have raised us and those who have poured themselves into our lives. It is not just a special office and mission. It is a privilege. Mm -hmm.